Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, yeah, I um, feel way better than I did last time you asked me, and that was two weeks ago. We missed one last week, didn't we? Yeah, we were in a field. We yeah, were. Um, okay, it was a cowboy field. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the Long Road Festival and uh, with Acme, and um, I think we took the podcast equipment with us, and we were really hoping to find some time to sit down and do something anything but um it was busy yeah yeah i mean we, we were looking at monday weren't we and then it eluded us <laughs> <laughs> yeah the van broke down and yeah we had to get that started so um here we are a week later uh we've skipped a week but um back on track and um yeah as i say look feeling way better than i did two weeks ago but also it's interesting isn't it because now we've done another festival and that exhaustion that we were talking about, you know, came back up like, what is it? I mean, we're Friday. We came back from the festival on Monday yeah. and I am only just feeling better. <clears throat> so it's taken me four days of kind of, you know, just having that exhaustion again. And But this time I didn't really have any days off. I've been constantly working since. Yeah. And, but just feeling on the back foot. I think that's the same. I mean, obviously when you're, when you do stop, your body then does have time to catch up. Um, you know, and I, I, like you, I've not stopped this week. So, mm. you know, today I, I, sort of, I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm a bit <laughs> sore. Go to the gym and get a bit more sore. Um, surprisingly, didn't affect me too much. But, um, yeah, I, I, I know that I'm due a day off. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm taking it easy. I'm not, like, busting. It's funny because... Like, Having a, a a summer of events, and maybe I touched upon this last time, so apologies. But you know, having a summer of events, you know, there's there's certainly a, like this physical. Um, they're physically demanding, but at the same time, there's so much that you get in your head about in terms of organising, logistics, you know, the planning, and those like you know, often early. Well, I don't want to say sleepless nights, but just kind of waking up at three in the morning and being like, oh, wow, I need to think about that. Um, so now it's over. I, I've kind of been walking around this week, still having things to do. But at the same time, because I've not been as busy as I've been over the last few months, I'm also like, I feel lost. I feel <laughs> I feel like I need things to do. And yet it's. I've not been able to appreciate the fact that the workload has dropped or, yeah. you know, halved at least, you know. I'm also preparing to go away. I'm, I'm preparing to go away on a holiday and without switching off, from, you know, straight away, I'm not taking too much else on. So it'll be a holiday, but I'm also going to be doing a bit of writing. There's going to be, you know, plenty of time to sit around a pool and, you know, with a laptop and write some bits and pieces. I feel 
it's an appropriate place to do that uh, kind of getting out of the london energy and um sitting around somewhere that's kind of inspiring to start doing you know a few other bits so i'm putting some stuff off till next week yeah, yeah. well you need to though sometimes don't you because mm. if there are things that require that kind of like calming like state to be able to do things you're not going to do it now no like you're gonna, you, you need that break you need that away you know you know the the sand the sea the sun yeah that's, that's it. all you need isn't it the psychedelics <laughs> <laughs> um you yeah, know it's it's funny because some people are like well why don't you just rest up and it's like i can't rest i you know but i can i can enjoy a bit we you know we've got a villa so we're going to be in Ibiza and just like, you know, sitting around a pool, a, a slower pace, eating some good food, going out occasionally, but you know, just it's home from home. Yeah. It will be a home from home. It's not mine. <laughs> um, but you know, just that slower pace and then, you know, getting inspired again. It's, I mean, it's interesting because I know we kind of really touched upon this before we started recording today, but um my, you know, I go away every year to India, or every other year or something, and um, and I take five, four or five weeks out at the beginning of the year because it's the quietest time for me to ever go away. You know, yeah. January is bleak, except my birthday's in January, um, but it's a bleak month, it's cold, and it's not busy because you've done Christmas and, you know, the run up to that. And I don't get calls about any other work until maybe March anyway. So it's it's perfect. I can go away with kind of minimal disruption. And that's what I do. And, you know, for me, it's uh, it's that little carrot. I'm about to, you know, I'm about to uh, buy the tickets to go away in January this year. And it's a carrot to, you know, get me through the, the, the second part of the year. Yeah. And <clears throat> get through the madness of kind of December. And then I can go away. Uh, so it's, it's that little carrot on the stick. But it's an opportunity to then recharge, reset, and um, get myself aligned for the, you know, the new year. And, well, you know, we was out in India for five weeks uh, over, you know, the last January and getting myself all ready. It took a while. I mean, it was the first trip since pan- the pandemic. Yep. So... The first time in three years of really having a holiday, going out there, and it took like two weeks. I'm sure I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, it took like two weeks to start feeling good. I felt like I was purging energy, like you know, coming from London, getting out to Mumbai. And Mumbai is fucking nuts. It's a it's a mad, mad, mad city, but I love it. And yeah. But there's still an energy of India and or even this energy of like, you know, switching off and submitting to, you know, a holiday and yep. not having to do anything. Just so I, I think for the first two weeks, I was like my body was fighting it. I was having some sleepless, restless nights. I couldn't get into switching off. And you often say that, like, you know, I know certainly for Brits, maybe going on a two week vacation to uh, Europe. It's, it's almost when you come back as just as you're ready to come back that's after two yeah. weeks that's when you feel it and you know I said that while I was out there I was like you know it was literally two weeks to the day that I felt fine like yeah. I, I, you know at this purge or whatever was happening with my body and mind and stuff after on the 14th day I was like oh wow now I'm on holiday yeah so it's a mad one and then you know as <laughs> as I was coming back kind of just started feeling a bit rough again um but you know the 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 hard news was that you know while we was away uh, my my mum had gone into hospital so you know it was it was this thing that uh, my mum being in a bad way and you know her passing was only two weeks after we got back and I think and I'm not going to blame you know her passing on what happened to me for the rest of this year but I think I want to just say it as as a way of being aware that certain events can you completely pull you off course yeah 
And, you know, I think I'd said it before, whereas if I hadn't been on my own kind of shamanic path and, you know, my belief in spirituality, I would be handling this a lot differently. Um, but it allowed me to have that strength. And, and if I hadn't had the holiday beforehand, maybe I'd also be handling it very, very differently. But I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, all the kind of good work I'd done to myself while I was away, I... I used up over the you know the following months of being back and then summer hit and there was events and you know I just found myself really busy and I really slipped out of routine and there was a lot of things that I'd kind of promised myself like before I went to India I was waiting to go to do you know to work on myself to get fit again to you know start eating better and doing a lot of the things that I talk about with these pillars yeah but creating yeah, a routine for myself and then and then just getting a bit you know pushed off course but knowing that a, a lot of that work had helped me through the year as well so it's not it's not a bad thing but i think i'm going away next week just to reconnect with what i had at the beginning of the year yeah um you know again it's that little reward for having quite a, a mad summer um but really needing to find that space for myself really needing to find you know what's important and um and yeah just create those routines once again well it's, it's stepping back isn't it <clears throat> you know I, I mentioned it uh and a couple of podcasts ago as well you know that whole awareness piece and when you become aware of of how things are impacting you and and what toll it's taking you know the this when you lose someone you have absolutely no idea. There's no preparation for that shit. Like, it's not going to no. happen. You you don't know how that's going to impact you before. So you know, as you say, having a having that recharging holiday before it's you know the second that it happens, you're probably like, I wish I was fucking back in Mumbai. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and and you do get busy and and you do where you're you know grieving on the side as nicer passing for your mum than it might have been mm. you're still going to be grieving on the side so yeah. you've got all of this stuff to do and that grief then gets pushed back behind so yeah. when you you know when you do find yourself in in moments like last week when you were you were ill and you were exhausted and completely run down that's having an impact as well and it's not that i think that people People handle grief in, in, you know, a multitude of different ways. You know, I've, I've still not completely settled, you know, uh, uh, with, with the loss of dad. And that was only, you know, only a year before. Yeah. And you just think that, um, you know, you, you go through those points of having, oh, you know, it's it's the it's the first birthday or the first father's mm. day or, the, you know, your first birthday and anniversaries and all of these things. And you just sort of you allow them to sit there and they bother you for five minutes, but you don't actually deal with them. Yeah. And I think when you, you get that break, you know, that awareness that you're starting to struggle and you need to have a break, it's good to be able to just take that and then mm. go and yeah. do it. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, obviously talking to yourself and uh, plenty of other people over the course of the year, um, you know, everyone handles grief differently. And, you know, I, I I can only say that, yeah, certain things have helped me understand it. Um, because we are all different, it doesn't mean that anyone is doing it the right way or the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? We're just handling it the way we need to handle it. And um, I'm just grateful for being on a certain journey in my life that allows me to be a little pragmatic with my understanding and because you know that leads me back to spirituality i don't believe that this life is everything yeah and not to be that this life should be taken lightly i think it's very important but i don't think it's our only life yeah. and that's my opinion <clears throat> you know everyone's different um so you know i i carry this uh belief that you know, we'll meet again. <laughs> yeah. Or that, you know, her energy's around me and, you know, I can have conversations. I'd call her twice a week, usually, you know, check in. She's only like, in Kent, so, you know, only like half an hour down the road and yet I'd probably only see her three or four times a year. But, 
I always make sure I called her, you know, twice a week. Yep. And um, now I just have that chat if I'm driving along in the car, which is usually where I'd call her when I've got, you know, five minutes. Um, now you just talk out loud and just have the same conversation I would have, um, you know, the checking in, how you doing, um, but do it in the kind of just out loud and it, it's still cathartic. I still feel like I'm having that conversation, albeit <laughs> surprisingly, I never really talk much. So <laughs> I just listen to other people. So, you know, actually using it a bit of as a meditation as well to check in and try and hear my mum talking to me, you know, um, Listen, we're all different. We all handle things differently. And some, uh, like I say, this is what works for me. I think there's definitely moments where it hits you harder than others. You know, uh, you know, th there's an emptiness there. Um, I haven't, I think my sister had the kind of, you know, when it was my mum's birthday, when it was like Mother's Day, I, you know, those things hit my sister more than me. I've not really had those yet. It may happen, it may mm. not, but there is definitely an emptiness in terms of, you know, a, just those moments where you do want a, a, a proper conversation. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I want to hear my mum's voice. Or I want my mum's cooking. Do you know what I mean? My yeah. mum is an excellent cook. So those things, I'm just like, oh shit, that's not going to happen again. Um, and then it got me, you know, I had a little kind of reminiscent the other day about, you know, like I was very fortunate enough to have you know, be brought up by both grandparents, you know, on my dad's side, my mum's side. Um, and, you know, they all passed while I was in my 20s, uh, even 30s. So I was really fortunate enough to have that. But again, you know, all had, you know, some impact on my upbringing, um, but particularly around food. And that's where I started going down this, like, road of, like, you know, all the dishes I remember as a kid. And, you know, some of them are, like, really simple, like boiled potatoes. <laughs> Never liked boiled potatoes as a kid. But, you know, there's something really quite comforting about a nicely steamed potato, you know. <laughs> it's bit, loads of salt on it, maybe a knob of butter. And I'm not even talking about new potatoes here. I'm talking about, like, you know, big potatoes peeled. Yep. You know, um, there's just something quite, I can appreciate it now. I also fucking hated stews and anything watery <laughs> when I was a kid. And yet I love it now. You know, I, I, I crave stews more oh, than mate. any other food. Yeah. I was like a real dry food kind of kid. Um, <laughs> not really into beans or fucking mushy peas or any of that nonsense. And, you know, the, 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 the sin was always like, you know, sweet corn out of a tin, but still in a little bit of the brine. So your fucking <laughs> fish fingers get a little bit... Soggy. Um, soggy. <laughs> so... <laughs> But it, and again, it's it's amazing how like talking about food or you know reconnecting with certain dishes then reminds you of childhood. There's always that you know people talk about that kind of memory of like you know those taste memories and um, yeah, I, I I find a lot of comfort in that actually, which is also one of those things that I wanted to do while I was in India was to you know really push harder into diet and understanding or you know removing certain things and we've talked about it before with like seed oils and I have this real issue with seed oils like you know I know how destructive they are and you know, I've been talking over the last 18 months two years about how destructive they are and yet I haven't found a way to completely you know, get them out of my life. Yep. And a lot of that does come down to the fact that there were still a few, you know, childhood things that, like I've got a loaf of shit fucking white bread on the side. And I know that's something that always comes up in conversation. Yeah. And the other day I had like a, a, just a plain ham sandwich because I don't know, you know, it, it just reminds me of, there's a certain comfort I get from that. Yep. <clears throat> so now what do I do? <laughs> How do I give up seed oils? And yet still manage to connect with that because you ain't going to get that same level of comfort out of a sourdough loaf. Uh, no, it's, it's not. It's certainly not a memory based thing, is it? You're not going to get the nostalgia ever. Yeah. And I think that's um, sometimes that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the nostalgia. Yeah, completely. But being able to, you know, <laughs> work on your own sort of 
belief that these things are really bad for you and mm. i mean because they are they are absolutely horrific it's destructive um, and it, listen it, it has to happen at some point yeah. I, you know I, I care about my life now yeah. do you know what i mean there was a point you know many years ago where i was so self-destructive but you know i i'm 45 i want another 45 years yeah <clears throat> maybe not that long but you know I, I i certainly want to go into you know the the second half of my life with you know good health and things that i can manage um so seed oils are going to have to go it's, there's no doubt about it but it's how i make peace with that and find a way to enjoy certain things like i love tunnock's caramel bars you know i've always got some <laughs> yeah. in the house they're just the best thing but again you know everything has seed oils uh it's because it's cheap well yeah exactly cheap and 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 it's a a very cheap process in order to to make them as bad as what they are i mean if if you were able to if you were able to cold press them and get the nuts out you know the oils out of these seeds and nuts the same way that you are with a cold pressed rapeseed oil or with you know even rapeseed oil is not even that good even when it's it's the oleic acid isn't it yeah that's that's the problem and it causes so much inflammation yeah and you're right, it's the industrialised stuff. Like, you know, I think I've said it before, but here at home, I have animal fats, butter, uh, an organic uh, coconut oil or a hand-pressed olive oil. Yep. And that's all I cook with. So really, the only time I, and I'm aware of it, and at Acme, we don't have any, I know I've said this, uh, we don't have any seed oils whatsoever. Yep. It's just a, a personal thing that we you know that part of that journey and so the only time that seed oils come up are when you're buying processed food yep and processed food is like yeah a chocolate bar a caramel bar or you know a, a white bread or whatever it is but you're right it's in so many things and so many things that have been rep- they've had it replaced like you know a cake <laughs> butter flour eggs you know um but then they start putting rapeseed oil in because it's cheaper or it's got a longer life. It's not going to turn rancid. But in fact, you know, the whole process of heating these things up turns them rancid immediately anyway. And then they need deodorants and other kind of things to wash them and cleanse them. And, these, and you know, so it's not just the oleic acid. It's, it's all the other things that go into <coughs> vegetable yeah. oils. And, they, and they, have a, they have a very low heat point and a high smoke point so right. where when you get that you then create a carcinogen yeah it's 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 a tough one because it is everywhere now and um i don't think enough people are aware of it uh, do you remember um it, it, it can't have been that long ago but i could be wrong it could have been longer but do you remember when like walker's crisps were like hot on the fact that they were like we now cook in sunflower oil right and you're like Dude. but that's the thing though that i mean even flora uh you know they talk about using kind of uh, that their whole thing was about how they use um sunflower oil versus dairy or whatever it was and there was that interesting book by michael perlan in defense of food and yeah. he you know there's a there's an amazing little chapter kind of eye-opening about through the 70s where the like the dairy industry were you know fighting with margarine industry that was coming through and you know both sides were had their kind of moment of winning but both fighting each other and you know margarines are still around all these kind of dairy alternatives particularly with the kind of like vegan plant-based foods they'll use the plant-based element as the selling point that is good for you and you know flora talks about polyunsaturated fats and stuff yeah, it's all good being for good cholesterol. for you but they're not talking <laughs> yeah, they're really not talking about the truth which is seed oils are far more destructive than sugar or salt or you know gluten far more destructive mm. and we're not talking about that no and it it's interesting because obviously you know when you <laughs> so many people when they they cross over into a plant-based lifestyle they immediately are drawn to all of the identical replacements of what they were normally eating as a meat eater. So it's like, oh, and that's okay because I can be plant based and I can, you know, just have fake chicken or fake this or fake that without the thought process of all of those oils are being bound with processed chemicals, which, if you look them up, are generally derivatives of a plant. Yeah. 
but they're no longer derived from the plant because they found a way to synthesize it. So when you synthesize something, it becomes unnatural mm. and you're basically injecting yourself or, or consuming something that is entirely unnatural. Yeah, yeah. And that sounds absolutely okay to most people. Do you know what, <coughs> when I, throughout the uh, pandemic, I, um, or the, the first lockdown, and I, I went plant-based for about three months, I think, and... Um, but it was to go with a whole food plant-based diet yeah. rather than, you know, trying to ha- find kind of meat or dairy substitutes. It's like, look, if it's, you know, if it's not in its natural state, don't eat it. Yeah. And, you know, that is still something I believe in. It's just I've reintroduced meat and dairy back into my diet uh, because that's really, <laughs> that's really what I think we should be eating. But at least I tried it. But I think it is, the, the, the what, I noticed inflammation clearing up. Yeah. And I think it really was more to do with the processed food and not having those things in yeah. rather than giving up meat or dairy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's having a whole food diet. So you're actually eating stuff that is natural, that is grown, is is so, it's so common in the healthiest parts of the world. You know, you look at all of the blue zone diets. I mean, that that it's it's ninety percent, give or take, of what they eat is is completely whole food. You know, they do have some meats and fishes and things in their diet, but it's not it's not deliberately plant based. It's just that's the life. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, if you look at certain cuisines, most people's favorite cuisines in the world are plant based whole food first and then with a a meat and a pro you know a meat protein or a fish protein or a, a fish fat put on top of it yeah. you know the 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 primary bit is the bit that's good for you mm. and and also those are the processes in, in, in ways in which you should be eating anyway you know when you should be you know consuming your 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 fiber first your protein your carbs and your starches last because you're then balancing out those those mm. glucose spikes that's you know that's a simple piece of information that should be being shared commonly but you're you know you're going plant first meat second yeah you don't have like by all means please don't take this as a that you need to drop meat out because you you seriously don't protein's too good as long as you find it in the right place but it's it's varied it's a varied diet mm. you know if you I think one of the things I learned at um, on my course was, you know, the most of what is is guided to us is about maintaining health, not optimal health. Mm. So you take five a day, for example, five portions of fruit and veg a day is is for maintaining current health. But to have an optimum health range, you should be consuming up to ten portions of fruit and vegetables a day. Yeah, I mean that's always these guidelines, isn't it? It's like you know, here's the very least you should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well, that's not good enough for me. It's like, the, you know, the NHS having five pillars versus us, you know, saying having 12, 13, 14 pillars. It's like, it's you know, fine. If that's what the entry level is, great. But yeah. is do you want to be okay or do you want to be really fucking good? Yeah, you exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, it's, it's a weird thing to have been thinking about on the car on the way in this morning, but, you know, it sort of stems back to... Um, you know, you, you losing your mum and, and me losing dad, you know, when I, when I look back after learning all of these things, I look back at my, you know, my, my dad's diet and, and, you know, the medications and things that he was on to maintain his health, you know, and then still eating poorly around those things, yeah. you know, it was a detriment to himself. I'm not saying that, that, you know, he's solely responsible for his own cancer production, but it's, you know, you, you kind of have got to look at it and you've got to think, well, do I want to, you know, do I want to be told when I'm going to die or do I want to have the choice? And, and that's it. And again, that goes back to what I'm saying about, you know, for, for being the age I am now and saying, okay, well, what's the next chapter of my life going to look like? Let's try and be more in control this time because I was out of control before. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And there are just certain, you know, I've, I don't drink. I say that every episode. <laughs> you know I've I've got rid of a lot of toxic habits in my life but there is still this thing about eating and um, yeah I, 
I think this is, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying about being in India and, you know, trying to create certain routines for myself, trying to be, you know, more aware of the, you know, every year that goes by, it's like, how can I improve myself? How can I improve what I do, who I am, how I am with other people? Uh, So, and that's the same with any medicine work that I do, you know, I got rid of the addiction, but now I want to go on deeper dives to be a better person. And... You know, if I want another 40 years, 30 years, 50 years, who knows? I want to do that in the best health possible. I don't want to be just sitting in a home waiting, you know, for my last breath because that's, you know, that's no life either. But the seed oil thing is the thing that keeps coming up for me. I'm really in control of maybe I've got a sweeter tooth than I used to have. Do you know what I mean? But. I really do worry. I think it, it plays on my mind a lot, the seed oil thing. And it's difficult, again, as a chef, I'm not just talking about the the nostalgia part of it, but I love food and I love traveling. And, you know, I'll, I'll be in IB for next week. Yeah, who fucking wouldn't want, like, some nicely, beautifully grilled fish and some holiday chips, do you know? Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> because holiday they're fucking chips. great. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a... I'm just interested to hear people's thoughts on it, actually, because I think it's a, it's not an easy change. There are a bunch of biohackers and, you know, people in, like, wellness communities that have already got these things out, and they're thriving in their own way. But they're not chefs, and I don't know if they love food the way I love food. Um so there is a dilemma there. There's a, mm. there's a serious dilemma, and I need to come to terms with it soon. I mean, you know, it, it may be something for next year. It may be something where I just have to say, you know what, I'm going to try this for four months, three months, six months, and just see how much my life improves as a result. Yeah, because I'm sure it will. <sighs> and then I can make a decision. Is it you know is it worth going back to other these other foods? But even again, I know we've talked about it, but it's 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 things like fish and chips is my death row dinner. You know, I, I love fish and chips. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Or pie and mash, but definitely fish and chips. Um, but traditional fish and chips would have been cooked in beef dripping. So yeah. now it's a case for me. It's like, look, I'm not going to not eat beef, uh, fish and chips for the rest of my life. I yeah. can't do that. But I can certainly avoid going to places that proudly cook in fucking groundnut oil or yeah. sunflower oil. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, they're proud to do that. It's like, 
No, actually, beef dripping's better for you. Now, maybe not in the huge quantities that you get, but then have fish and chips once a year and have it with beef dripping, and then that should be like, you know, yeah. you, you can control it. So you're not giving it up forever. You're just saying, I'm going to choose to have the right, I'm going to have it the right way. Rarely. I yeah. don't think there's anywhere <laughs> near me that does it in beef dripping. Um, there's a few no, I know, but they're not. They're certainly not near me. So, yeah, it'll be a treat once a year, twice a year or something like that. But I think it's definitely something that I'll, uh, I'll need to do. Well, I think it's... It's the reason why, you know, it's the reason why I've sort of gone on, started on the journey of, of nutrition that I have is that, you know, I, like you, I absolutely love food. You know, there's there's never a time when I'm not excessively eating, which is interesting considering the size of me. But um, I just, I, I came to terms, well, it's not necessarily came to terms because I still don't understand why it's a thing. But, um, you know, when... When I was at school, you know, we had, it was at the back end of it. It wasn't exactly, you know, uh, choice education. But you, you know, we, we still had sort of cookery classes, you know, a bit of home ec and stuff like that. So as a young teen, you were learning to bake, bake. It was more baking than it was anything else. But you were learning to make scones and you were learning, to, you know, to cook something. Like, that doesn't happen anymore that's like almost been completely removed from school. So people are, you know, people are getting to a point where they have a choice basically. And their choice is a very quick meal delivered to them Mm. or a very quick set of microwave meals delivered to them. HelloFresh and stuff like that, you know, stuff that they can put together in 15, 20 minutes, but they're, they're under the false illusion that these things are good for them. But are they, that's not me judging hello fresh by the no. way that's just me going it's questionable because it's um i as a chef i understand the processes in which need to get involved to be able to make sure that food stays fresh by the time it gets to someone yeah. so um there's no educational piece there it's not that i want to make people be like me and want to eat healthy you know 90 percent of the time so that you know i'm, I'm in good spirits but actually what what I want to be able to be in a position to do is, is get people back to cooking. Yeah. You know, there's nothing I find there's nothing better than having like uh, a table full of people and you've just got loads of food on the table that you've just made. You're sharing it out. But at some point during the day, people come round earlier or, you know, or whatever. And everybody jumps in mm-hmm. and makes this meal. Everybody's cooking. Yeah. There's, there's a, you know, there's a social aspect to that, which humans are losing at the moment. There's, um, you know, family, there's comfort, there's nostalgia from the things yeah. that you're cooking and putting around the table. There's all of these really, really, really good things. Um, and you can't get that from ordering a takeaway or you can't get that if you don't know how to cook. And if, yeah. if you know, like like us, you know, you, and mo- a lot of people in the world, you know, you lose a parent, so you've lost that person that is cooking for you yeah. and you haven't learned or you haven't chosen to pick any of these things up then what do you have you 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 you're left with oh well, you know i like to go to the gym but the only thing i know how to cook is chicken rice and broccoli <laughs> so i mean and and probably dry as arseholes chicken and rice so it's it's that you know i don't want to dictate to people how their life should and shouldn't be but what i want to do is be able to give people that ability to have those nostalgic moments again you know enjoy food because you can't enjoy food if the only thing that you do is taste it like you've got to be a part of it i think well some people you know they just see it as fuel don't they i mean you know take bodybuilders i spent enough time in the gym and eating certain things because of fitness uh but there's no love or soul or anything in it you're just you are just treating it like fuel and and even some of the you know times when i've worked with personal trainers and then they give you a diet plan it's just like listen <laughs> this ain't gonna work for me <laughs> do you know what i mean but you know i'm i'm lucky enough that i can pull things apart and say what's what's the equivalent what can i hmm. you tell me what i can eat and what I can't eat and i'll make it taste way more delicious than yeah. you know, your, your fucking chicken rice and broccoli um <laughs> <laughs> It's that, and that's the thing. Like you know, I'm, I'm inspired by biohackers, and I'm inspired by people in wellness communities. To uh, and 
if I wasn't following a lot of these people, then I'd probably be in a, you know, worse shape. Do you know what I mean? So they've allowed me to improve, you know, 80%. But then there's still the 20% more that, you know, you could do better. And I have to address that because mm. I made so much progress in things. It's like, okay, well, you know, how am I going to do the, the last 20? Because that's the real fucking hardest part. Yep. Um, but it is, you know, it's going to be there's going to be a time when I'm going to do it I'm sure interestingly you say about um, food in that sense you know bringing people together it's you know for all the work that I do now in medicine in you know medicine communities uh, with healing and um, ceremony is that you know for all these plant medicines that food really is the ultimate medicine um, and as a chef I think it's my my shamanic journey has made me reassess um, how I use food and how food, you know, it, yeah, it brings people together. It brings strangers together. Cooking together is a thing. I, I actually did a, a a campaign with spareroom.com about, I think it was 2019. And oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was I the ambassador that. for that. But it was like, uh, they, they called me the loneliness chef. Which, yeah, you know, all jokes aside, I think it was it was an interesting campaign because, um, you know, there are a lot, a lot of people lonely in the in Britain, in the U, uh, UK, and um, in in the world, and how we can live in cities, you know, even London, you know, with eight nine million people, um, and still feel alone, you yeah. know. But using food, particularly if you've got housemates, using food and recipes to cook together, to eat together, it 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 really does um, it does bring some healing in that sense. And then you know, thinking about the food itself, thinking about its connection, you know, it, what ingredients you know work for the brain or for you know a heart. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's different. Um, different things that can we can eat and uh thrive better so um yeah i actually did a menu that was based around um kind of bringing people together but also focusing on brain foods and what yeah. you know what things were good for you know better mental health if you will um and yeah i, th I think it's, it's always something i like to explore i think even with acme there's a lot of things that we've created there Certainly, again, going back to the seed oil thing, it's a conscious decision to say that, you know what, I don't want to fucking poison people. And yeah. everything is, um, you know, made as lovingly as you, you can in the in a manic atmosphere. Um, but, you know, we're conscientious about the ingredients that we're getting and where they come from. You're trying to buy as organic or Ellen varieties, uh, you know, supporting British farms where possible regenerative farms with meat and vegetables using kind of day boats uh hook and line where possible yeah. for fish <clears throat> and then you know the whole menu is to cre created around kind of sharing dishes and i know it's a buzzword it's it's what people still a lot of people can't get their heads around it's a, it's madness but you know i think that's that conviviality is how we've always existed you know what i mean it's the it's the three course meal that took it out of that but yeah. You know, communities around the world still fucking share food. So, you know, we need to bring that back because it is important. Um, so, you know, we've got a very convivial restaurant for that reason. There's no real, there's no coincidence there. It's the way we like eating. Yeah. So therefore, you know, we're not doing things for buzzwords or because it's cool. It's because this is the way you should fucking eat. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Share your fucking food. Um, and yeah eating the right thing eating with the right people it's all part of this healing it's all part of why food really is medicine yeah. and you know I, yeah, it took my spiritual journey to to understand that a bit more you know because I can pour as many fucking glasses of ayahuasca or fucking eat as many mushrooms and it's not as healing sometimes as food and friends you know yeah yeah and I think again that just goes straight back to that social aspect doesn't it you know there's there's an awful lot in the world trying to pull, you know, a, a naturally social creature apart. And I think that, you know, it's one of the biggest impacts on people's mental health these days 
is that is that isolation and then the 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 kind of feel and the need for isolation that comes from not doing things like this you know i think when i was younger we used to i think maybe up until i was about 13 we all we all sat around the table at dinner yeah it was just a thing um yeah mum and dad might have eaten slightly later than me and my brother but you know it was it was still a thing um and then you know and then the family meal time slowly became once or twice a year yeah. And 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 it's you know it's something that I just remember and love loved it didn't even care who I was sitting around the table with eventually you know if you were yeah. sat around the table, and it's that same thing with that the kind of staff meal situation uh, you know when you're in the kitchen you're how many times you've just grabbed grabbed a plate of food turned the fucking bin upside down and sat on it or turned a big big saucepan upside down sat on that <laughs> had a snack and just carried on working like yeah. you know you're yes you're with these people all day long but ninety percent of what you're talking about is service work you know, what needs prepping. So when you actually sit down as a group mm. of, of, of staff and have a meal, have a laugh and joke for 30 minutes, yeah. like just your productivity is just through the roof. You know, your, your sense of feeling at work and the environment that you're in is better. You know, you, it, it can almost be an excuse to get, get you to want to go to work you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I don't feel like fucking this shit. I'm, I'll have a mental health day. But actually, you're uh, you're like, oh, but I get to go and sit. You know, at some point today, we're going to be sat around a table all together. I think it's important that, you know, that businesses do that. I mean, you know, it's easier, obviously, in hospitality, but um, even taking people out after work or something, do you know what I mean? It's it, it, It's... I think there's so much importance with what you're saying. I totally agree. You know, being able to sit down with your team, and I'm saying this from a restaurant point of view anyway, but because mm. um, that's what I know. But actually, making people sit down, I think it was. <laughs> I never wanted chefs to fucking sit and eat their food in the kitchen. It's just like no, go outside and sit down. Take mm. a minute because you might be in the shit. But like, I I want you to have a fucking clear a headspace I want yeah. you to just like not think that you've, you you can't leave the kitchen at all do you know what I mean I'm making you leave the kitchen go and sit down with the team and you know again at Acme we've just we've made family meal a really important thing mm. go and do it take some time out sit down do you know what I mean um, there's so much importance to it I can't I can't begin to I, I've done so many of those ones where you actually you, so many kitchens where you don't even get time to eat anyway yeah. the front of house might have some stuff but you know um, I don't want to mention any fucking names but there were certain chefs where it's just like you know they run kitchens where it's kind of frowned upon to go and take any time out to eat yeah. do you know what I mean it's like wow it's just, that's just yeah, it's like people that don't even give you a star food budget and then sort of think to yourself yeah, you know, you don't, why, why would you need to be eating? Yeah, <laughs> I've, I, I I can remember working in one place, and again, this chef still he's still got the restaurant and um, seems to be doing well. People still love him, but you know, to eat in his kitchen, it was really front of house that got to eat. Mm. Chefs didn't. Listen, we were too busy anyway. But even if you were, even if you just found yourself with a a day where you wasn't as busy to go and eat while everyone else was in the shit it was just really frowned upon yeah. do you know what I mean and maybe things have changed now because that, that was certainly like 20 years ago and um, you know uh, things were different We, I know we've changed a lot of places have changed but it's just remarkable how little businesses you know value their staff people that's you know plating their own food <laughs> it's like make your teams happy the food will be happier when it goes out you know yeah exactly fucking incredible but i don't care anymore <laughs> <laughs> as long as i'm looking after number one like, like our team do you know what i mean I, I care about acme staff and um i don't really care about what other people are doing i do care that's wrong but i think there's there's so many we we talked about this for so long and that's the only. This is why I say I don't care. Is there are so many good places that value their staff? Why go and work for anyone that doesn't value you? Well, Do you that's know what it, I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's really where it's at. 
Well, you know, recently writing um, you know, job roles for adverts and stuff like that, and and I'm sort of, I'm I'm looking through all of the ones that still get sent to me and reading them and just sort of thinking, you know, everybody everybody genuinely believes that their selling point is a four day on, three day off. Now, I, don't get me wrong, I still love the idea because I would rather work four days of twelve hours than five days of eight, yeah. but. Um, you know, and, and have that extra time off and see friends and family and do all of these things. But if that's your only selling point, yeah, you know, yeah, what about staff meal, family time, educational pieces, all of these things? That's not uh, a dig at everyone because I know so many people don't, but these are the adverts that I'm seeing at the moment, yeah. you know. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to bring it back really quickly. Now, I know that obviously the start of it, we were talking about, um, you know, the loss of your mum. And you kind of feeling like you need, you're you're, you're becoming aware that you need mm. that break and stuff like that. But I, I just wondered, like, because you did deal with things slightly differently to you know how your sister managed it. Like, what does it feel like losing? Yeah, because yeah. I I think for me, if I was to try and describe it, it it's like um, it's like a constant wait for a knock on the door. Sort of thing, or like a a little boom boom joke that my dad would always mm. give, you know, sort of thing. It's a strange one. Um, the rawness has gone down because, yeah, you know, if I give you a bit more of a timeline about it, we came back from India at the end of January, and um, and then there was like a two week window before my mum passed, mm. so it was two weeks of hospital visits. And really, the beginning of that two weeks, getting the news that my mum wouldn't survive. You yeah. know, she's probably not going to come out. And if she did, she might need, like, a leg amputated. Like, I mean, there was some real hard news to to accept, really. Um, and over that two weeks, there were a few moments where, you know, there was a small rays of hope. So we never gave up believing, mm. but it, she was in ICU for about five or six weeks, I think. Mm. And they say people don't usually stay in there more than 10 days. Yep. So I, I think it was about, certainly, maybe it was about four weeks, something like that, maybe four or five weeks. And, you know, the realisation that she wasn't coming out I suppose that's it gives you a bit more time to digest that than someone you know when people die instantly and you know that's completely yep. shit you don't expect it so there was a real kind of emptiness already creeping through and then there was this um you kind of walk around in a bit of a daze you you know trying to accept it um it was a it was a really weird one, and then that so when we knew that they were had to kind of turn off the machines, really, um, we were preparing ourselves. Uh, okay, it's going to be Valentine's Day. It's, um, my mum was the loveliest woman, you know. She was always happy, wore lots of colour, uh, and had lots of people that just loved her you know she was love she would so there was something I was I kind of liked the fact that it was going to be Valentine's Day because you know um, it just seemed so poignant and fitting yeah. for someone so you know loving um, but and it was a beautiful day it was a, really sunny compared to the grey days you know when you got to do hospital visits and every day is grey and you're just so you're not looking forward to it so the sun had come out this day blue skies and you know it changed the perspective so then we were going to you know sit there the whole family around the bed and the, the machines were going to come off and what you realise is that it was a privilege that people for years before didn't have that there was a privilege to be in there while my mum passed yeah. you know um so I, I was it was very very difficult and you know everyone was crying it was it's hard 
and you're going through it and you're like, shit, this is one of the toughest things, the toughest thing you're ever going to go through, you know? But at the same time, thinking it was also a privilege to this as well. And now I look back, I'm like, yeah, I can. Because, you know, there's poor souls that left us during COVID and, you know, families that were torn apart during that time. Um, at least I, we had that. We had that yeah. last few moments with my mum. And, um, and then there was, <laughs> there was lots of jokes, you know, we were joking because my mum and that side of my mum's side of the family we just joke a lot you know so even when she passed and even you know the the two weeks when we kept going to hospital it was just trying to make light of a situation because that's kind of it's just it's the way we deal with it but it's also the way my mum would have dealt dealt with it and just would have found the funny side in it this kind of dark humor not everyone would understand that and you know that's fine but our family just understand that those kind of dark humors and we left and the next few days were just like i remember going to bed that night just i've I've just put a little something i'm not one for sharing much about personal life on instagram or any of that but you know i did just put a little picture up on my stories and it's like you know good night mum and i think it's more for those people that knew my mum it was really just let them know and um yeah, I went to bed like shit. I don't have a mum. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was a real bizarre thing, and um, took a few days to settle in. But again, you know, I took I took a week off work more so to be my family, to be my dad, to be my sister, to just be around. I, I spent the week cooking loads of my mum's kind of classic dishes for everyone, and and you know, again, it was humour that got us through. It was, you know connection being together going out for walks eating um and i think we got through it quite well in that first week and then the next real big thing was you know the funeral and that was hard like you know unbelievably hard in fact i think that was harder than um my mum passing and uh so i'm saying all of this in a way you know to to answer your question what was it like you know i'm breaking down those little moments of death yeah. and and the bits that's you know because it spikes you know there's there's the moments where the grief is really tough and then there's other times when you just go about your business and you have to bring your attention back to the fact that oh yeah she's gone yeah of course yeah fucking hell it happened early on in the year and maybe that's also my relationship with my mum where I didn't speak I, you know I spoke to her a couple of times a week but I didn't see her every day yeah harder for my sister because my sister lived next door to her she saw my mum every day you know so even between us the, how we've dealt with it differently and you know I really feel for my sister in that sense because it, there is a possibly a bigger void in that sense yeah I say this from my point of view that you know that's how I, I kind of got on with a certain certain things you know and um and then every now and then you're just like oh shit yeah that happened fuck so that's yeah, that's it. That's um, my. Because I thought I would ask because it's, it's, it seems like a seems like maybe a weird thing to say, but like obviously how people handle things will always be different, but how things affect people will always be different. Yeah. And you know, like having that kind of you know with, with with dad, we were sort of like you know waiting for four aunts, you know four months to to be given a. a any form of kind of like diagnosis is what was wrong with him, you know. And um, you, to, to be clear, the difference is you, you were living with your parents as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was, um, you know, when we, yeah, I moved back because, you know, he was obviously COVID happened and, and, you know, the flat situation sort of, you know, the the guys that had our, my flat in Tunbridge Wells were like, oh, we're just going to sell the flat. So get out sort of thing. I was like, cool good timing um you know and then it was you know slowly bits and pieces you know obviously where he started getting ill i then took on the dogs basically because he was unable to walk them and stuff like that you know and and four or five months come around and i think he started being ill in may started not being able to walk properly uh end of june um you know it was all quite quick but there was this like not knowing thing for a long time yeah. you know and then it, you know december comes around we're, we're sort of five days away from christmas and um 
you know, they do a little Zoom call with my, with my dad and was like, you, you need to come in for a week's worth of tests next week because, you know, just want to confirm with you that you do have cancer, but we're not sure exactly the location of the start. Right, yeah, yeah. Worth um, you know, and then uh, sort of you, you get another couple of weeks worth of, of full-on tests around. Now, my dad was a stubborn old bastard because he, uh, he was like, I've had my test, why am I still here? So he checked himself out at King's, <laughs> King's Hospital and the fucking drive into London to pick him up from Acosta. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we got got round to sort of January. I think it was the, the, the third week of January, the full kind of, you know, here's what's wrong. This is what you've got to come to terms with. You know, when they were saying sort of, you know, two between two and five years so we were like that's not so bad yeah yeah you know um and then two weeks later you know I, I, wow. where we have that horrific storm um he comes uh i came back from so it was a, it was a few days before i had to call the paramedics out in the evening because he was really unwell um and they they were like oh there's nothing wrong you know he hasn't got chest infection or anything like that maybe it's just it's the cancer he's just having a, yeah. having a bad day and um and then three days later you know we've got that horrific storm that happened and um i was working on the friday at uh will devlin's place at the small holding and um you know all of the power went so we were in the shit obviously everything had to get cancelled went home um and uh you know he he sort of he was downstairs he'd managed to get out of bed for a couple of hours he was downstairs um and he he, he wanted help upstairs you know my dad never asked for help yeah and he was like can you give me a hand I need to go to the toilet so I helped him upstairs and then uh, came back on we went over to work again on the Saturday no power cleared all the fridges out came back and um, and I just remember him sort of saying I was like, I popped up and saw him quickly when I got in I was like do you want anything and he was like it's like really fancy some raspberry ripple ice cream so yeah, our thermometer was sort of dud, so I shot round to the uh, to the Morrisons, got some raspberry ripple ice cream, got a new thermometer, came back, that was it. So twenty five minutes of CPR on him until the paramedics got there. So for me, I've got that kind of like preparation, yeah. and then that removal so suddenly. Sure. But then also that kind of you know it was, I was thinking about it a couple of days ago. It's the didn't really get to say goodbye yeah. because in the moment it was I've got to keep you alive sure um, and then you know that that's why whereas with me I don't really I don't deal with grief in a particularly uh, quick way it's a very slow process and it always takes sort of you know when my granddad passed away years ago it took about 18 months for me to to sort of come around to that and it's starting to now. I'm starting to feel that, yeah. you know, that it's it's you know, lots of little bits and pieces, lots of things, lots of conversations, you know, about you know about him. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's interesting to to sort of have that conversation with someone that it's it's the same, it's the same loss, whatever way yeah. you want, whatever way you want to look at it, it's the same loss, but just slightly different in how that impacts. Yeah, I mean, I talk about. I've talked with other friends that have, you know, you know, parents have passed, other loved ones have passed, and um, and it's amazing how everyone reassures me. If it, you know, if the grief hasn't hit you yet, it will. <laughs> so, oh, thanks for that. You yeah. know, um, I, yeah, I did some medicine work, and nothing came up. It's not to say it won't. I do expect it will hit me in a way. Like, you, you know, I, I do expect that at some point it might come round or there's an, an, there's another reality of acceptance that you have to go through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, um, but I'm open to it as well. I think I was open to it. I, I, uh, maybe I did a little post. I think I did a little post on Instagram, like you know, when I went into the year, or maybe it was a birthday one, but it was just like, look, you know, I'm, I'm ready to accept all the good and the bad that happens this year. And I think when I put that, I, I knew that poss possibly, yeah, I might have to be going. I, I, I would probably go through something quite hard this year. So, you know, let's touch wood that nothing else 
quite bad happens just yet. But I, I think <laughs> yeah. possibly I, I'm open to the fact that I may still have some grieving to do or that something's going to hit me with the grief. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that I would need to go through. That's why I say I'm open to it. Do you know what I mean? Can't keep sweeping these things under the carpet, can we? No. <laughs> no, because it, uh, it does come back and fucking bite you in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Yeah, all good. All well, good. look. Yep. Till next time. Till next time. Catch you soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 